Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Harold and Maud. In the year 1971, it was a different time. People didn't care about the age gap. <laughs> it was a pretty old movie. The age gap. 50 years old now. Yeah, yeah. In today's sci-fi flick. Yeah. Apparently, we're taking a month off from sci-fi. So this is welcome to Matt and Luke's sanctuary of celluloid sanctuary. I was always oh, that kind of works. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of my backup name anyway. <laughs> I, I actually thought of something really witty yesterday, but now it slipped my mind. So um, yeah, today there's there's really nothing sci-fi about it, which is uh, 1971's Harold and Maude, directed by Hal Ashby. Starring Bug Court. I usually don't say all that right out front, but uh, today we're talking with Andrew Shear about this one. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Hey, I just had an idea. If you, <laughs> if you probably already discussed this, but if you ever start covering a- adult movies, you could call it the Spanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> Luke likes that idea too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I did think it would be fun to start a podcast where you just review porn, but in like the driest, like least. In- <laughs> Not, yeah. make, giving no indication you enjoy it. Yeah, I, I suppose it would be the wanctuary then. In the UK, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Scholarly porn. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll do how this movie came across our radar. Um, I think I watched this, like my high school photography teacher at uh, Pushforth Being There is being like one of the best movies ever. So I watched Being There. And of course, I want to see more How Ashby. So I watched this one and at age... 1718 it didn't click with me i didn't like cat stevens at the time and of course i was like what are you doing man whereas you know now watching it much later it it resonates much deeper of course but uh it's it's i don't know is it a young man's film we'll get into that or not so um (laughs) but i brought this in because i really did want to re-explore it i really felt like i probably got it wrong way back in the day and you are relatively obsessed with this one andrew are you not um, I mean, I don't want to make anyone feel like they can't be critical of this movie because there's, you know, there's going to be plenty to be critical of and everything. But to me, this is not my favorite movie of all time, but it is, I feel like it's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> What's the distinction there? Just enjoyment uh, or? It's just, there's, uh, when I put it on, I've got to see it all the way through. And if I meet someone who hasn't seen it, I'm like, would you please consider watching Harold and Maude with me? Uh, I just feel like you don't know me very, you don't, you can't know me as well if you haven't seen it as if you have, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Whereas I, I made Luke hardcore this one in the morning. Adult yeah, let me style. tell, let me tell you my history with this film. <laughs> At midnight last night on the way home from the gym, Matt 
accidentally informs me that he's organized a podcast for this morning. <laughs> he, he just sent me his notes and I'm like, shit, are we re- recording this? And I, like, I scrolled through our whole conversation history. I even did the search function for the word Harold. And Harold and- nothing. Matt had never mentioned any recording. So I'm like, okay, I'm probably safe, but <laughs> let me know if you did. And then at like 8 a.m. I get the message. Yeah, we're recording at 10.30. <laughs> I'm still in bed. <laughs> so I need to like get up, shower, get changed, watch the film while I eat my breakfast. Still so watching it, it when he arrives. So it turned out what I did was I had had three Facebook conversations at the same time. And I had told next week's guest D about uh, doing Harold and Maude with you, to which she responded, you'd be the perfect guest for it. But I, that, that was the wrong person to send it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't. I mean, he Matt had obviously told me this is one of his picks for our like cheat month, non-sci-fi month. <laughs> but I didn't know I had any kind of deadline on watching it until like <laughs> 10 hours before our recording. Fortunately, it's a short one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's short and it's it's not really heavy lifting, I would say. I mean, it kind of, you know, is what it is. But depending on your sensitivity to certain matters, it could be incredibly heavy lifting. <laughs> I suppose so. Well, we'll I, guess it, I guess it was for the critics of the time. It was not a well-liked movie. <laughs> How much did you lift to the gym then? Well, I say it was leg day, so heavy weight, but with my big, strong calves. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind... Um, do you want to try and summarize it? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. is a rich layabout with an overbearing mother and an obsession with suicide who likes to attend funerals where he meets Maud, a lovable old scamp who also loves funerals and falls in love with her but then she kills herself (laughs) and then he pretends to kill himself but the film pussies out die at the end it just it really looked like he did right and then i was like oh, okay of course he didn't yeah so this film starts and ends with making you think the main character has killed himself <laughs> but not actually doing it in several times in between yeah but you know what's going on in those times well of course but he's gotta he's gotta lay one properly on you right yeah, yeah, yeah. this one's not there for his mother's benefit it's for the audience's benefit <laughs> right <laughs> i it just doesn't bother me personally but i do take issue with films that use suicide cheaply. Mm. This film, it's the whole theme of the film, so it doesn't, it's not too guilty of that. <laughs> but that first and last one rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like how they treat an E-type. Jaguar E-type. Uh, I, I kind of love Oh, the, the hearse, hearse is cool. Is then, cool. Well, that, that part I can, I, can, I can forgive, but the driving off the cliff is, you know, it's a Jaguar, man. <laughs> but no, it's cool, it's cool. Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess we should start off with actors. Of course, Bud Cord is is, is one of is our Harold. Um, was this his? Did he do anything before this? Um, I mean, I've seen him in a movie called Brewster McCloud, which is, I believe, a Robert Altman. I don't know which of these came first. I 
think this one was, but yeah, yeah, Bruce McCloud obviously is a, a biggie because um, he showed up so many years later in Dogma, like his stunt casting. Mm. Well, that's from fans of this movie. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the people that the people that do really like it, it's not uh, kind of like it. It's a real, you know what I mean. It's a very important for the people that really dig it. Uh, of course, the most mind blowing thing in Dogma is how much he had aged in like a little more than twenty five years. But <laughs> yeah, because he did the only other movie I think he was involved with that I think had any sort of cult following was one called Ted and Venus. And I want to say that was either eighties or very early nineties. So how did, how did this dude uh, get to you? Uh, the main Harold guy? Yeah. 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 Um, he had that very, I guess, seventies kind of film, very unassuming presence. Mm. Um, like even the way he is, the sound is recorded in this film. It's like it's like they're not talking for the audience's benefit, um, but it made it made him feel very real. Um, and also last night, I just finished rewatching Evangelion for the first time since I was like a nine year old. That's the original series. Yeah, the original series, and then the movie they made to make the original series make a little bit more sense. <laughs> so I'm currently between that and this, having such an existential crisis. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. I didn't expect that your film was going to make me think about suicide so much <laughs> after a, an anime about someone making the entire planet Earth commit suicide by cloning God into a robot and fighting other robots and stabbing it with the moon or whatever happened at the end of Evangelion. Sorry for the spoilers. <laughs> no, that's, that's the greatest like synopsis of that I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm having a very weird 24 hours right now. <laughs> The small scale and the big scale coming yeah. for you in the middle, something like that. <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, is that another one for our porn podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what do you see in Harold? There's a lot of staging, a lot of theatrics. Is that it? Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, what Luke is talking about, about suicide and treating it cheaply or whatever, um, Harold is uh, not actually suicidal he's just theatrical mm. and so um i was fine with showing this pg-rated movie to my kid who was seven years old because they wanted to watch my favorite movie and i'm like well good thing is i really love reanimator but he's seven years old maybe a little early and so we're gonna go with harold and maude and never once did they go like why would he does he want to die you know no one he sh she never thought that that harold was in any actual danger He's like, you know, he's pulling pranks. Now, those of us who may have discovered someone's body who has hung themselves or, you know, uh, things of this nature, someone who's poisoned themselves. Yeah, this can be a sensitive thing and, and it could definitely not be funny. And I could totally see that. But I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't think twice about it because Harold is, you know, he's clearly sad, but I, I don't I don't know that he would rather be dead. He just. He's he a has a fascination with death, I think. He doesn't personally he, want to. Exactly. You know, that's like going somebody's like, why are you watching Texas Chainsaw? You want to kill somebody? So I, I think that um, in his case, he's just trying to figure his, his shit out. And um, he, he, he explains it a bit to, uh, to Maude. You know, he's got, his, he's got his reasons. And so I think, yeah, when I say I think it's very simple, I, I think they've got just the light and the dark, you know, the two sides. I think he's great. He's quite cloistered as well, mm -hmm. right? You know, kind of like uh, yeah. one percenter, you know, doesn't doesn't get out much. Your mom's trying to 
I mean, he don't want to date, really, but uh, yeah, that's the whole computer dating thing. I was no. amazed the computer dating was a thing in 1971. It was a big computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, when when he's visiting, um, is that is it in Maud's or Glaucus's shop where he puts his head, tries to put his head inside the vulva? I mean, that's yeah. just that's all you need to know about about him as far as his development is concerned. He's just, <laughs> you know, he hasn't really. Yeah, he's he's lived in an existence to where uh, there's no perspective. He's bored. So, of course, he's going to, you know, latch on to something like dying and death because um, that's easier to figure out than life and sex. It's outside the box, right? So, Well, that's actually... Um, <laughs> I get it. I was about to make a very sensible point. <laughs> Particularly relevant right now. I don't know. I mean, I've mostly cut myself off from social media, but I still get memes from friends and see people's Instagram stories. Um, there's a big debate in the UK at the moment. Um, Meghan Markle recently married Prince Harry and revealed that she used to be suicidal. And um, world-famous cunt extraordinaire, Piers Morgan, uh, questioned, like, oh, how can you feel suicidal when you've got everything in the world? But of course you can still be sad, <laughs> even if you have material goods. And yeah, Harold, if you look at just the material fact, he's, he, there's nothing he could want in the world. But he still feels like he's missing something. That's very human. Yeah. Uh, so, he, but Bud Cord as an actor, it's it's hard for me to imagine who else I think would have been able to to do this, only because Harold is an iconic figure in cinema. You know that. So I can't I can't really separate enough to go. Oh, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman, maybe. I was but... about to say this movie kind of came across as like, you know, the graduate on PCP or something. So, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, could Dustin Hoffman have covered this role? Although he's a little he doesn't quite have the weird innocence. I think uh, the boyish face really helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's got a pretty bizarre, you know, uh, thing going on underneath all that. But <laughs> he looks like he's never been anywhere, you know. I think that was one thing that confused me the first time. Um, I guess Harold's supposed to be like 20, 21. Yeah, because um, he's not in school she anymore. He needs to, he, she thinks he needs to get married. Yeah, yeah. So he should be done with his, his levels or whatever it is. Yeah, that was, I guess, another disconnect the first time I watched it, where I probably watched it as like a high school senior or something. I was like, am I so, so not quite connecting? Probably because the guy looks two years younger than me, but he's in a situation a few years older than me. And with the whole, you know, kind of crazy rich overlay, of course. So, yeah, no, he mentally, I mean, who's to say emotionally how old Harold would be despite his actual age, you know? What is uh, Maud's actual age emotionally then? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. You know, if we're going to get into Ruth Gordon as Maud, uh, Ruth, Ruth Gordon reminds me of my grandmother, the one that lived up there on English Oak. Um, she reminded me of her a lot. They're around the same height. Their pallor is about the same. Uh, you know, her wrinkles were almost all in the exact same place as Ruth Gordon. So, really and truly, what bowled me over was seeing Ruth Gordon in uh, is was it Every Which Way But Loose, which was the one with the orangutan and um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Or any which way you can. She the, played his the, mother. Dude, I think that the two sequels are the same story. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's it goes that way a lot of times. Gator bait also the same. Uh, yeah, I I was struck by how much she reminded me of my grandmother, and so um, then that hasn't gone away. I mean, I still I still think about it, and so, but Ruth Gordon is incredible, and uh, she yeah, as far as how she is, I don't know, man. She could be a lady in her thirties or forties, somebody who's been through it and knows what to do with it 
she's uh I don't know, but an old soul nonetheless. She's got the history. She, there's more to her. You remember when she shows uh, her arm? Yeah, that's like the most Cesar? important shot of the film in a way. <laughs> it is. It is. And how how subtle that was. You know, that's like you need nothing. All you need to do is to see that and understand really all you need to know about her. The rest is just a lot of fun, I think. And I came in, you know, Luke was finishing the film. And of course, I, I finished it last night for myself. But then I was just watching it again within a few hours. Like, wow, that shot was so quick. Mm. It's like literally less than a second. <laughs> yeah, no, if you, you know, look down at your phone or something like that, you've the movie could p- quite possibly not have the same uh, weight as it does, you know, for that moment if you missed it. But uh, yeah, my grandmother, for better or for worse, uh, sounded more like Harold's mom with the sort of American um, patrician voice. <laughs> Vivian Vivian Pickles, I think, is her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so it's it's uh, it's the um, like the affluent version of the of the the English accent, right? But it's not because it's still American. You know, thirties yeah. movies have a lot of it, right? <laughs> Do you think the sexual revolution has gone too far? It's- <laughs> Certainly has. Yeah, that, that sort of <laughs> voice. So, <laughs> Luke, what's your take on Maud then? Yeah, um, she just—you can't take her eyes, your eyes off her. She's such a such a character full of life, and like every like little cheeky thing she's doing, or just the, every every way she behaves and acts, and just her physicality as well is so charming. And you can understand why for Harold, who's just been living this like sheltered, prim and proper life, why she's so fascinating. Yeah, she's living that bizarro um, uh, train carriage. That's pretty hip. Yeah. (laughs) Totally cool. Uh, Everything about her is cool. And it reminds you of when you're a kid and you make friends with that one person that's just a little bit more hip than you are, you know, and you're just like. I don't know. You you could say in, in a way you are have fallen in love with that person because it's so unique. It's kind of it's exhilarating in its way. I totally understood why he became enamored with Maud, even though they would appear to be, aside from the funeral thing, just uh, complete opposites. A March December relationship. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a but, good way to put it. Right. Um, and one thing I was I was thinking. Oh, actually, Maud would be actually like straight up a century older than me, right? Like being born 79. And then I see some of the stuff she has, was it the odorifics? That's so weird. But I, maybe that was like a thing, like way back in the day. I don't know. That's that's part of what's so neat about it. You look at it and go like, did they make this up for the movie? I mean, what in hell is this? <laughs> or is this like old people stuff from 1970 that's like been completely forgotten now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, now you'd pretty much figure what was in there would just be all vape, right? Different flavors. When we're old farts, are we going to be like playing our cassettes tape for like bewildered young people? <laughs> you already doing that. Yeah, they're already I, doing. I, I, they're already doing tapes. that. Oh yeah, okay, good point. But... <laughs> There's whole yeah. YouTube channels that are just that. Give it another forty years, though, it's going to be even wackier, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't weirder. know. You know, spiraling toward irrelevancy. People, you know, you got to be able to justify why you're even into that. You know, what purpose can this possibly serve? <laughs> So as surprisingly uncartoonish as Harold and Maude are, I, I guess mom is relatively cartoonish. He and, um, uncle. and uncle. Yeah, oh, well, uncle. He, he's even more so, right? He is just, he's a totally a cartoon. I love that guy, though. 
He's a walking Looney Tune. Yeah. <laughs> the pull string salute is fucking genius. Very, very Mel Brooks, I thought, in that uh, that particular thing that they had in there. That's what our country needs more, Nathan Hale. <laughs> that was the other thing I saw um, this morning, just like kind of coming in, stumbling and seeing a little bit more out of context, just how Looney Tunes he is in that scene where he's, uh, you know, where um, Harold's going kind of nuts on him. Oh, and they plan to get him out of going to the army. Yeah, yeah. That it is brilliant. I'm petitioning for peace. (laughs) (laughs) He's just asked him all the different ways of murdering someone, all creative (laughs) ways of killing. You know, can I keep the trophy eyes, teeth, privates? (laughs) (laughs) The one part I found unbelievable is that that would put anyone off recruiting someone to the army. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent! You've done the first week of training already. (laughs) (laughs) A matter of fact, we're going to go human life. We're going to promote you, sir. <laughs> That's how it works. What does he say? Like, um, they don't like me in Washington. They probably do these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's no, got it's... friends in high places. Yeah. He, uh, things have certainly changed. <laughs> um, you guys are going to have to explain, explain to me who, is it Andrew Hale? Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale. I don't know who that is. He's a military hero, you know. He's, uh, I would guess, Navy. I don't know. Go with Admiral Nelson for the Brits. Yeah, okay. a pretty historic, yeah. like not recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he would have maybe been more well known at the time this was made than like you know now. I don't think he's quite as revered, so I don't know. That's that's a. It's being nice to Nathan Hale to make that comparison. I, <laughs> I was just yeah, I think an old military figure. So I mean, if I yeah. sat and looked at wiki pages, I'd probably regret my metaphor. But <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Yeah. No, it, it was. But there's a lot to be said about how how Ashby feels about war and Colin Higgins feels about war. Um, I think probably the, you know, other than the the tattoo scene, uh, the scene where we cut from uh the flowers to the uh the, the military grave you know right after they had that conversation about you know which flower would you be right it's mm-hmm. a very very kind of profound moment because she says uh, harold says he wants to be these because they're all the same and then Maud's like well no they're not there's all kinds of differences and then she goes on to make one of her awesome chestnuts of the movie and then bam they cut to that you know the mass grave of the of the soldiers there and that's a, to me that that cut is well very powerful moment. Yeah. Again, you, you don't have to you don't have to say anything. Here it is. It, Hal Ashby is a very gifted editor, and that was what he was really known as at first. Yeah, and, I mean uh, the show not tell guy. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was just one of the many uh, hard hitting moments that you could very well miss if you're not kind of. Have you um, ever visited those kind of graves? Well, actually, I, I had a little trouble. I mean, the movie's in California, right? Hmm. Yeah. yeah i had a little trouble placing it i guess the first 30 minutes like where it was so i thought i was seeing arlington when they were there it's not because that's washington mm-hmm. or that's yeah no. virginia right so i've been to arlington which has the same sort of look yeah oh yeah i went to the ones in um in europe in mm-hmm. belgium and france mm-hmm. from the wars on a history trip when i was in equivalent junior high school i think mm-hmm. the uh the bit i always remember is actually not our graves it's the german grave because mm. it's just a mass grave right they didn't get individually buried because they lost 
No, um, Arlington, they have the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, which is not, uh, well, it's the same idea, but somehow not as deep, is it? <laughs> uh, we have one of those in Paris as well. Although they do have a, there's that Hip Doors song, so there's that, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over for the Unknown yeah. Soldier. My two main memories are, yeah, when I saw the German grave, that hit me really hard. And also the fact that there was like literal millions of men's graves, but no one cried until we found the grave for a dog. And then everyone cried. Everyone cried about the grave for the dog? Yeah. I mean, I know people that would have that reaction, you know. It depends on how much you love dogs. Or maybe that's the breaking point. Not the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like how no one wants to see a dog die in the movies, but we'll watch a Schwarzenegger take out everybody. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, there was an essay about Commando on, on how he's actually a psychotic, like a, a, a villain, uh, you know, like equivalent of someone like Leatherface. You know? Yeah, he kills a lot of people and then makes quips about it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, it's, it's very, they, they, they analyzed it next to, you know, 80s slashers and kind of put him in that category and it really worked. <laughs> Yep. What, what are, give us a few of the best quips with that in mind then let us some steam bennett is obviously the best uh, yeah, I, I like you i'll kill you last <laughs> remember when i said i kill you last i lied i lied <laughs> yeah, uh, stick around to the guy with the around. knife in him yeah. stick around. <laughs> it was almost if jason and freddie were combined <laughs> well, they did please that, don't they? disturb my friend he's dead tired <laughs> he's dead tired <laughs> Well, the better part is that way it explains the joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, the you see, it's funny because he's dead, for real. It's funny because he's dead, and the audience knows he's dead, but the character does not know he's dead. So that's where the humor is. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard his commentary with Verhoeven on uh, Total Recall. It's hilarious. And uh, I know we're really diverting here, but man, there's a part, and I'm sure you all remember the human shield on the stairway. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Where, okay, so there is a quick shot of someone just being stepped on. I think it's the human shield guy just gets stepped on after all that. And then Verhoeven just goes, That shot, this shot is just for me. <laughs> and then Schwarzenegger goes, Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, see, we'll see with Showgirls next week how many shots are just for him. <laughs> I love Showgirls. I'm very jealous. I'm very <laughs> jealous. I've done, I did a podcast years ago on the anniversary of Showgirls. It's uh, that's one of my favorites too. <laughs> Commando was actually almost one of my picks for this month, but we've got so many sci-fi Schwarzeneggers we haven't covered yet. I'll save that until we run out of sci-fi ones. I was going to say you you've, you've still got a little bit of work there if you yeah. haven't covered all the. <laughs> so eventually, we'll have covered all of Schwarzenegger's. You've. Including Underground Cop, is it? Oh, yeah. Inclu- <laughs> including, like, um, Stay Hungry, the film about weightlifting he made before he was famous. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, that, that could go for the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your life's like a spinning top. Sometimes you can't tell if you're going to stop today. Program feels accidental. This time can kill if you go round in this way. I guess this is where we usually talk about design, of course, not being an actual well, science fiction at all. It's a little of a different talk, but uh, yeah, like like when we did End Time, the cars. Yeah. My um, of course, we talk, I mentioned the Jaguar a little bit, but uh, they're going around in a in a Dodge Dart, which my dad had when I was growing up. So. Yeah. 
I don't know if Andrew remembers seeing that thing across the street or not. Maybe you weren't. I do. Yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. No. The the Dodge Dart was in a uh, a George Carlin bit. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw in this movie because the same color, everything was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you're into the Jaguars, but me as a Brit, I'm all about the '70s American muscle cars. Like in Transformers, whenever Bumblebee changes into the new model, I'm like, oh, go back to the '70s one. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, two lane blacktop, right? Oh yeah, 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 that's a hip one. Lovely, yeah. but yeah, I, I I was kind of like, oh, is this like GTA the movie? I mean, she does commit a lot of GTA in this film. <laughs> she does. It's very, I never thought of it this way, but this is that's great. <laughs> that that car is it parked all right? It just jacks that car. The whole thing with the cop, my my kid really loved all of that. That's what that that, that's what happens in San Andreas, right? You get out, the cops come up, I you know. go to another car, you drive off. Later, you steal their motorcycle. That's GTA. Yes, it was, <laughs> yeah. man. How oh, how cool would it be if she was an unlockable character? <laughs> <laughs> maybe the next. Well, one. they have said that GTA Six is going to have a playable female lead, so Mod. maybe it's going to be more. <laughs> I was going to say let's let's keep our fingers crossed for the estate of Ruth Gordon. They could really use that cash, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, let's let's. I, I guess we're going to talk deeper about the suicide thing, but let's talk about the theatrics of the suicide while we're doing design elements. Uh, which one was theatrically the best for you? Um, I think when he killed himself in the bath, that must have taken him a long time to do all the freaking blood work for that one. It was it's, that was Giallo, I think, the yeah. way it was done. He's got all data set the stuff up. You know? Yeah, true. It's not like he's working or anything. <laughs> yeah, like an Argento film, just for a moment. I, I did note it's 1971. I guess we'll give him a pass, but Harry Carey. I was, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that is not meant to say that. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you didn't have the subtitles on, so I don't know if you caught, but after he stabs himself, he screams Sukiyaki. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which uh, your volume was a little low, so you might not caught that. I didn't catch that. Yeah, no. He yells sukiyaki after he stabs himself. <laughs> but I, I've seen and read about so much seppuku in the last four years that seeing it done as just a comedy bit for a day was great. <laughs> very, very respectfully done, of course, except for the mispronouncing. Moving the yeah. time. Well, it's not the mispronouncing. I don't thought about pronunciation. It's that you're not meant to call it Harakiri. Yeah, that's like a disrespectful. Oh, right, name right, 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 right. That literally just means cut your guts. And, and just or seppuku is the ritual name. Yeah, but um, the moving of the tie also done in um yeah in um oh god, why is the word running out of my brain? Because we haven't been in them for a long time. That's why because they're it's an easy word. I'm just, my brain just stopped working. I think it's rokan. Izakaya. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what the, you do in the Japanese busy. pub, right? It's it just I haven't been to one in like a year, so the word left my mind. <laughs> but I had no idea where you were going. I thought you were looking for the name of a film. No, I was looking for an easy word. That's why I was like <laughs> blowing my mind. But so I don't know what film we've watched when Japanese salary men kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, sure no, there no. Plenty of no they're just trying to keep the stains off of their tie. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you'll actually see. Oh, um, Matty always does that when he eats lunch. <laughs> He needs to get out like a fake knife too. Yeah, no, he always flips his tie over because he knows he's going to get yogurt down it. <laughs> Whereas I just get the yogurt down it. So who's the real fool? <laughs> <laughs> Which one did it for you? Oh, I'm all about the, uh, the just the simple chop of the hand. I mean, it, it, it uh, it's, it's the style of humor that my dad had. Obviously, he would be the one that would wear it for hours waiting for that moment clank 
it's so it's just I love that and I love that he does it in front of this person that his mom's trying to set him up with it's just <laughs> the best you know because I as far as staging goes probably the immolation that happens uh, because <laughs> I was curious who did that what do you mean like, who because Harold's Harold's in the room so who did he rope in to immolate themselves? He off the I, <laughs> well, it shows him saying hello, and he's got the the you know the pets or whatever, and he's going out there, and then, uh, you know, it shows him setting it up, and then it cuts away. It's to me possible he just stuffed his shirt there. I guess, yeah, because yeah. it, it kind of looks like a clump when it goes. There's no face or arm to it, but it's more right. of just like the the misdirection, the illusion. Like I just saw him said hello to him. And <laughs> 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 then he walks back through the room it's brilliant yeah, yeah, that was totally great. brilliant <laughs> now sunshine does warm up to his um his theatrics being an actor of course that's after she just talked about how much she loves the military and knives so <laughs> that's kind of a turnoff right there but <laughs> great knives <laughs> but otherwise she was like kind of into the into the whole idea so <laughs> That, that that scene has always been a bit mysterious to me because, you know, she sort of checks it first to make sure that it's the yeah, uh, it's a, yeah, yeah, stage yeah. knife, you know, it's and, and, you know, gets some of the fake blood out of it or whatever. And but I was I always the first several times I saw it, I was like, well, now she, she the, the knife is stuck. She actually stabs herself. Yeah, I, I was also a little confused on that. And, you know, I just saw, again, I saw that scene twice in 12 hours. I'm, yeah, now I'm glad you said it because I was still like, well, she checked the knife. So I guess it, it's cool. It is a little confusing. Her, noise, her noises are pretty ridiculous. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we'd, we'd like to think that, uh, that in a PG, we haven't just actually seen a character stab itself, you know, for real. <laughs> no, so no, I'm going to no, go with what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to go with, you know, maybe she was a little over the top. You know, because <laughs> Harold is, you know, he was more of just like subtle about it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was like, she, but they wanted to have the third be the, you know, the rule of three or whatever. So he yeah. wanted to have her be um, just too much. Right. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, to go back to his uh, seppuku. Um, he didn't do a great one because the idea is you fail if you scream. So you meant you meant to have your your right hand man there to cut your head off before you have a chance to scream. So yeah, if, he, he, if he screams, he's dishonored himself. He was more in for the theatrics. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, come on! This is analysis. We can get technical about it. Yep. Again, point he, to be made here. He I mean, could, I guess he'd already proven that he's not much of a samurai. When he yeah, he pronounced the it wrong twice. and used the wrong word. So. <laughs> I mean, he'd just seen the that that movie from the '60s, probably, and just based it on that, yeah, which is called Harakiri, <laughs> yeah. or the wooden. I think it was called the Wooden Blade when it first was shown in America, but later was, uh, yeah, it did take on the name Harakiri, which I guess, do that what I mean, that is what they call it in Japan. I don't know. I guess because it was supposed to be horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Harakiri is a Japanese phrase. It's just it's a disrespectful thing to call it. I guess that's where the the Japanese movie kind of threw off the Western because because uh, it was a pretty big art house film at the time, and right. that was the main thing, right? So, yeah. oh, Harakiri, right? But I mean, it makes sense that Harold knew about it because she mentions that his uncle was MacArthur's right hand man. Right, right. <laughs> so, so you see, it all ties together. It's a well written yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's a great documentary about Hal Ashby. Really, really great. It just came out, I think, last year or the year before. Um, and uh, because, you know, Harold and Maude is not a celebrated movie. Uh, it's, it was unreal to me that with Harold, uh, with Harold, with Bud Court still alive, he's not 
there's no audio commentary on the Criterion disc that was just released a few years ago. Why not have Bud Court an interview or, you know what I mean? It was just... So okay, that was our first where the power in Luke's apartment just magically disappeared. And now we're on battery. We're on emergency power only. Yeah, and we're running off my mobile data like we did back when, before I had internet. And we were sat on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, you were saying something and all of us have forgotten what it was now. And I, I think I put some music between that and here. So, <laughs> okay, it's cool. It couldn't have been important if I was saying it. So, we're good. Um, so... I guess we should talk about the fact that uh, Maud is a lot more serious about suicide. <laughs> yeah, she she knows what uh, exactly when she wanted to uh, for her life to end, and so she's sticking to that, even though that she's made friends with Harold and Harold's very attached to her and quite upset when he throws a birthday party for Maud and and uh, you know um, she's like, well, I, you know, I took the pills an hour ago, man. I mean, where you been all my life? It's this is this is my decision and. You know, there's a lot of conversation that could be had about um, people deciding that um, it's a thing that real people do face and a decision that a lot of people, uh, you know, that, that they make uh, and their their families have to make things like that. Um, so very real. Maude lived on her own terms and she goes out on her own terms. She said it pretty straight up when they first met, too. Like, I just have a few days left. <laughs> She's like, it'll all be over by Sunday or what was it? I can't remember the day, but yeah, something like that. He couldn't have that possibly day. known. Yeah, no, sorry. It's, it's not, you don't assume that someone's telling you they're, they're going to end themselves at that point. So, yeah, because no, the way she puts no. it at the start, it's just like, oh, hey, that's a good age to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also puts in perspective um, where uh, Harold's obsession with, obsession with death really was. It was sort of a, a juvenile thing, mm. and it, it wasn't anything very serious. It wasn't something he could ever act on. In fact, he's horrified at the idea of actual death when it happens. No, yeah, when that's when you really know for sure is he just like what? Just, uh, <laughs> that's exactly the right. First time he's shown any reaction to anything, really. Yeah, he becomes he comes absolutely livid, and uh, I think the way how cut that with the uh, trouble, the song, uh, Cat Stevens song, trouble. I think it was really, really perfect because you didn't need to hear all the crying and screaming. You get a little bit some ambulance noise, but I I feel it was perfectly done. Also, it takes out like any like kind of like pointless suspense, you know like that's they don't ring it out of you yeah. yeah that'd be a stupid twist it's like you know as soon as before they even push her in their hospital you see harold alone in his car you know what the deal is <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah There's no it's um e expertly done say what you want about the movie it's content or the idea of withered flesh co-mingling <laughs> uh say what you want about all of that um it's a it's a master class in how to cut a film <laughs> But uh, look how that one hit you. Um, well, your eighty time to go. Is yeah, that, she. Is that it was not that sense, but like, she was eighty. She wasn't gonna live that much longer. So I knew the film was gonna end with her dying at some mm. point. So it wasn't necessarily a shock. Um, but it was a, a sad little moment in a way. Yeah, 
of course, I got my aunt. She's like 82, 83 now. She's still, well, maybe not in the past year, but before that was still like sailing all over the place. Uh, well, this summer, I'm not was. saying every person over 80 is going to die soon. I'm saying in terms of a film. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Like I'm saying where like, a young 20-something falls in love with an eight-year-old, you know she's dying at the end. <laughs> Maud's quite, yeah, in the film, okay. I'm just saying Maud's quite sprightly, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, don't No, I think it works. <laughs> Yeah, the, the most telling scene is when he gives her that, uh, was it a medal or a coin or something that he's won, and she throws it in the water. And she's mm-hmm. already told him about don't get attached to things. That's been, you know, that's been posited earlier in the film. And so she's, he's like, why do you do that? And she says, well, because I'll, so I'll always know where it is. It's really great. I mean, it all, you see the way he's kind of laying the groundwork for this. And so the audience, I don't think is upset as Harold is, and no. uh, but we feel for him, but it, it's an interesting way to go about it because there's a lot of movies, including Nomadland, that choose to, um, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say choreograph death, but they don't pull the, the typical dramatic strings. I think that's what you all are talking about. Yeah, and a lot of that is quite through the editing. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess you were kind of alluding to the fact that this film, in a weird way, it doesn't hold up unless you're like really into it, basically. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't know. I mean, it's I got just, a criterion I, that that always says something if they put it out on criterion, but yeah, it's it's more of just like okay, step away from it, Andrew. The fact that it's your favorite and look at it in terms of seventies cinema, it is part of Hal Ashby's run there in the early seventies. It's one of the best runs by any director I can think of. Because you mentioned being there, but uh, we also have um, Shampoo, uh, Last Detail is the one that kind of sticks. The in Last my mind. Detail, perfect movie. Last Detail. And so, you know, with, with those in mind, I, I just I just think, uh, you know, who who had a who had a better run? Because even Altman at that time, who was making good stuff, didn't have that many in a row. I mean, Hal Ashby was making classics one after the other. Yeah, I guess my perspective was that this one was relatively well regarded now, but um, I it, it's it's not particularly well known. Luke, were you familiar I, with this movie? At it, all? It, I knew that I'd heard the name. Okay. I knew this was a film. I knew nothing about Mm-hmm. but it wasn't like uh huh what's that it was like oh, okay that, that's a classic uh, that's a film people watch <laughs> so it, yeah it um, the fairlies are position you can you know the Her- fairly brothers are, are fans of it because in something about mary that's uh part of his con matt Dillon with cameron diaz because he knows that she thinks uh harold and maude is uh, the best love story of our time that was part of their part of his con against her as they bond about thinking harold and maude is the jam well, what would be the uh, concurrent love story in Hollywood? Like, love story? <laughs> the movie Love Story? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that movie's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so you don't like Cat Stevens? Is that what you were saying? You don't like the I Cat said when Stevens I, when I, No, now I'm fine with it. When I was 18, I didn't like Cat Stevens. So Okay, because that's an element of the movie we haven't mentioned, but I, I think is kind of inseparable from it. I mean, for me... Uh, you know, it's it is all of its parts combined, and I can't by the same turn, uh, can't imagine anyone else playing Harold or Maud. I can't imagine uh, the music being anything but Cat Stevens music. That, that was the part where I kind of was thinking about the graduate because that had, of course, has all the Simon and Garfunkel. So here we got we got Cat Stevens, <laughs> yeah, who I just I I like a lot better. Um, I think Art, some of the Art songs Funkle. being very short. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it works perfect for me. Um, uh, the soundtrack is one that I listen to a lot. 
you know it's like kind of like i also listen to the popeye soundtrack a lot too so i don't know what that says about me (laughs) (laughs) it's odd like matt was saying he had to get a bit older to appreciate the film and for me Mm -hmm. if i'd watched this 10 years ago i'd have been bored out of my mind um but like i don't know it's definitely a film that's gonna stick with me um and like i said watching it as part of this weird existential marathon that I've just had. It's definitely like, yeah, I'm going to feel some feelings now. And I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) It's, it's a very interesting film and it's a very worthwhile film and it's definitely a very good film, but I don't know if I like it. (laughs) I'd say you're probably not alone in that. Probably not alone in that. There's a lot going on there. I guess it's uh, it depends on like how much Harold's kind of weird like kind of gels with your kind of weird, so. <laughs> but like, you don't have to like feel the way he feels to appreciate it as an exploration of a character. Yeah. No, it's that's great. It's just like at eighteen, I really couldn't identify him with him. That and I mean, I guess now, I'm, I guess when I was eighteen, I was also thinking, oh, he's actually trying to do suicides whereas now it's like like clearly like oh this is a filmmaking like metaphor thing right he's doing these theatrical stages just as this movie is so you know sure yeah it it can just be a right time right frame of mind kind of movie i think for the fans of it it may be just when they saw it was the perfect time to have to receive the message that it has you know i should um clarify something i said at the start of this about using suicide cheaply i don't actually think this film is too guilty of that. It's when you get like a some kind of Sherlock Holmes story or something, and there's a suicide, and it's like, oh no, actually it was a, it was a plot by the murderer, something like that. Or Star Trek occasionally does an episode where someone commits suicide, and oh, there's a dumb sci-fi reason for it. I hate that in media. Oh, this film is actually yeah. about suicide and deals with it, and so I don't have a problem with this film. Um, the first time it happened, I thought it was a one-off and I thought, okay, that's really cheap starting your film where you think the main characters killed himself and it was just a gag. But of course that's not the case. The film is about it. And then the final one, I didn't like because I really thought he had done it. (laughs) Um, But again, it works in this film, but if that wasn't what the film was about, I wouldn't think it worked. (laughs) Well, you don't want to see it trivialized and I'm in complete agreement with you. But yeah, I guess that's where it stands up as like a, um, at least a successful piece of art that so many people can come at it from many different directions and get something different, which, um, you know, that's not going to happen with a lot of your, your multiplex films. So, no. And, you know, 70s cinema, I mean, some people could argue that it really was only 71 to 74 or 71 to 75, maybe 69 to 74, something like that. I mean, because there's really the 70s before Jaws and Star Wars in the 70s after right. Jaws and Star Wars. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's weird. I think of I think of music in terms of decades, but movies not so much. I don't know how that works out. Yeah, I mean, maybe ah. you think of it based on like the the temple films that changed it. So yeah, post Star Wars is a big thing. Mm. And then it's post Jurassic Park and now I guess it's post Matrix. So maybe how yeah, we can make the sci-fi tie. Yeah. No, Ashby stands out because he he never he never got his <laughs> blank check to make a giant right um, blockbuster as as a lot of the the new rebels did no. or whatever they're called. 
new Hollywood. Yeah, looks. no, that's true, man. He didn't make he didn't make his big Hollywood movie. He's got a uh, well, um, oh gosh, Coming Home or whatever it was with uh, John Voight and Jane Fonda. Mm. That was a really good one. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, no, the thought left my mind. Oh, Spielberg and you know uh, Lucas started off as art house filmmakers, right? And definitely, but they were still they were trying to make big budget films. They just didn't oh, yeah. have the budget. Yeah, okay. But Lucas started out making trying to make sci fis and stuff. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, see, we connected it. We talked about sci-fi after all. There we go. <laughs> I will say that if you're looking for this kind of film these days, it's coming from Asia. Yeah. Have you seen um, Departures? Um, I should have because my dad keeps telling me to watch it, and I still haven't. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> film. It's. Um, are you familiar with that one, Andrew? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I like yeah, it. Japanese movie about a guy who becomes a funeral dresser. Yeah. The, the obsessive cello playing actually keeps me from wanting to watch. I'm afraid I'll connect too much with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's a, there's a good one called True Mothers also um, that's really great. So, no, I completely agree with that. That's where it's happening. And that may but, be why I watch so much of it. But also maybe because suicide is a really big thing here. And there is a strange... Um, the Japanese relationship with death is very weird. Death is just something you don't talk about or deal with. Um. Like I taboo subject. Yeah, I was about to go into something personal about a person I know, and I realized I probably shouldn't do that without her consent. <laughs> so I'll, let's just cut sure. that. <laughs> oh, Evangelion also has an obsession with cello playing. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cellos are cool. Oh, God. I think it's cello is the instrument you, you use when you want to show that your character's weird. Oh, okay. There we go. That makes sense. I think that's, that's, I think that's the normal um, delineation for that per- yep. personality type in the orchestra as well. So It's like, oh, here's the guy who has an instrument that's too big to fit into your life properly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> but um, I, I guess we do need to wrap up a little today. So, uh, yeah. Andrew, what do you have on the cooker? Uh, th- this is still the one that has the podcast where a few more people probably hear you. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I've got you know, Gonzarific is uh, has you know, we completed our, our latest feature, our mixtape, Ariola Jones and the home video Vixens, which you can get on uh, gonzarific.com. Also, Bad Girl Dracula, which is the Bad Girl Dracula mixtape. And uh, we're just busy at work uh, working on a feature length documentary. I hope to finish this year and have out by the by the holidays. Nice. What's our thing? Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFSPod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Um, and if you want to hear more podcasts by me and Matt, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. All of our podcasts are free. That's just a place you can find them. But, you know, cost just money to do this. So throw us a dollar if you like. <laughs> And how do we end today? Am I ending now? Well, I mean, um, hopefully the listeners followed the instructions and took their pills an hour ago like we did. And uh, <laughs> we're all on our way out. Okay, I had one too. Mine was just going to be this. No explanation. I'll be in the corner. No I'll be in the corner with the odorifics. Puffing. <laughs> <laughs>
In coming weeks, showgirls, throne of blood, up in smoke, and back to sci-fi with Doom, 1984. Let go! 